Hello, podcast listeners. I hope you're having just a wonderful, wonderful day in general. I know this isn't the normal time that I try to post my podcast, but I did have an extremely busy day. But I still want to be able to try to record as much as possible because it's fun to be able to talk about the news and what's happening. So today we're actually going to be talking, uh, we'll, we're going to touch a little bit on Starbucks and the union that's currently happening right now and how that's going. We won't cover too much on it, but it is good to be able to talk about it. We're also going to be talking about the IRS and how they're planning to potentially audit more high net worth individuals. Then we're also going to be talking about a latest job cuts within the uh, technology sector currently right now, which I find interesting because we just read about yesterday a little bit about how the job market was pretty hot for the job seekers right now. And finally, we're going to end today talking about OPEC. Uh, I think it's kind of big to be able to talk about OPEC. Um, There's probably going to be a lot of oil news going forward, but we're going to start with talking about OPEC and what's happening there potentially. With that being said, guys, like I always said before I begin this podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is based on my opinion only and the news sources that I currently read. Please go talk to your own financial advisor before making any financial decisions as everything I talk about here, like I said, is my opinion and I cannot give you financial advice in any way, shape or form. Your financial advisor will know uh, your financial situation a little bit better. So please go talk to them before making any investment decisions. With that being said, guys, let's begin with today's articles. Starbucks union uh, pans to set up a 1 million fund to support workers on strike. From MT Newswires, Starbucks workers that go on strike are expected to receive financial support as Workers United on Thursday disclosed plans to create a million-dollar fund to cover lost pay. The fund will allow workers to take up type of collective action necessary as they fight for a fair contract, said Richard Minter, International Organizational Director of Workers United. CNBC reported citing the National Labor Relations Board that 100 Starbucks locations have unionized under Workers United and nearly 120 additional cafes either awaiting elections or currently undergoing a voting process. I'm still curious, um, and I've talked about this in the past a little bit, at the end of the day, will this actually truly happen for Starbucks? I mean, Howard Schultz is back in charge, and Howard Schultz seems to be a very smart man in general. And I honestly believe that Howard Schultz, if there's anyone who's going to be able to help solve the Starbucks issue, it's probably going to be Howard Schultz. Okay. I I spoke to a a friend of mine or an acquaintance, I guess you can call it the other day. And I was asking them about Starbucks and how things were going there. And they said like, oh yeah, the, the union thing's happening, but it's mostly back in the East coast. And then they had also mentioned that Howard Schultz came back and, things seem to be getting a little bit better for them. I mean, at the end of the day, I I don't know if this whole thing's going to really pan out for Starbucks, but I'm also curious to know, like, does this fund also help with the people of Starbucks who work at the Target stores or inside, I don't know, your local Albertsons? It's hard to tell. doesn't really say in much details. Probably could have looked into a little bit more, but I just wanted to cover a little bit to be able to remind you guys that Starbucks is having a union battle currently, and that's still ongoing. Next article, the IRS is working to increase its audit rates for higher earners, okay? According from CNBC, 
The IRS is working to boost its audit rates for the wealthiest Americans, according to a statement recently received with the agency's annual data book, covering activities for the 2021 fiscal year. While plummeting audits have been uh, drawn scrutiny from Congress, of course, Congress would sue that, percentages have doubled for filers making over 100000 or more and uh, more than $10 million over the past seven months, according to the statement. What's more, audits of higher income taxpayers often come later in the stationary period. With three months of filing, meaning audits for 2019 uh, may still happen through at least 2023, the agency said. Still, the IRS resources constraints have limited the agency's ability to audit high net worth individuals, large corporations, and complex business structure, and reviews have significantly declined since 2010 tax year. Audit rates for taxpayers with incomes of more than 200000 decreased the most largely because high-income audits tend to be more complicated and require auditors to manually review multiple issues, Ken Corbin, Chief Taxpayer Exper- Experience Officer of Agency, told House Oversight Subcommittee in May. Something I want to know with the IRS, and I'm, I'm curious to know if my fellow podcast listeners feel the same way, I often wonder if the IRS ever audits people in Congress. In all seriousness, think about it, okay? They're claiming here that they're planning to focus on high net worth individuals. But the question at the end of the day still needs to be, are they auditing the people within the walls of Congress or the Senate? That to me would be an honest IRS in the making. But I don't even know if the IRS is doing that. They didn't even say that. They just said high net worth, high net worth individuals and also uh, people in business. Okay. The article goes on currently um, going going on to say currently the agency still has about six thousand five hundred agents to tackle audits for high income filers, according to the May IRS statements. Although the IRS in March said it planned to hire ten thousand workers to address the agency's backlog, Corbin admitted hiring has been a challenge. The agency on Wednesday issued another call to hire 4,000 representatives. IRS audits declined by 44% between the fiscal years 2015 and 2019, according to a 2021 report from the Treasury Inspector General of Tax Administration. Audits dropped by 75% for filers making $1 million or more and 33% for low to moderate earners claiming that the earned income tax credit known as the EITC. Returns claims that EITC have historically have had higher rates of improper payments and therefore require greater enforcement, Corbin said during the May House Oversight Subcommittee hearing. Since many low lower income filers are wage earners, audits are generally less complex and may involve an automated process. Americans making more than five million annual five million annually just have a 2% chance of being audited in 2019 compared with more than a 16% chance in 2010, according to a May report from the Government Accountability Office, a federal watchdog. Last line of the paragraph says the report cites budget cuts as primary reason for the decline, dropping to $11.9 billion for fiscal 2021, which is $200 million less than 2010, along with limited staffing. Yeah, I don't believe that at the end of the day. I think the IRS just struggling in general, just doing their job. And I also don't think they're focusing on the right people when they need to do their audits. I mean, come on, 2% chance today, and then it was 16% in 2010. That just doesn't make any sense at the end of the day. I still want to know. I really want the IRS to audit people in Congress. It would be nice. But 
I don't think that's ever going to happen. And I think the IRS at the end of the day is, I mean, if they're looking for 10,000 new workers, they're probably not going to get to 10,000 new workers that they're really looking for, which means a lot of these audits aren't going to happen until probably later down the line. So yeah, remember that guys. Interesting, interesting article to have looked over with the IRS. Next article, U.S. tech sector sees the highest job cuts in May since December of 2020. Now, yesterday, I believe we talked about how it was the hottest job market. This article kind of goes against what we talked about yesterday. From Rudders, U.S. employees in the technology sector uh, cut nearly nine times more jobs in May than the first four months of the year as rising inflation and slowing demand forced companies to cut corners. Though overall layoffs in the country reported by global outpacement, firm challenger uh, Gray and Christmas on Thursday fell 14.7% in May from April. Thanks to a strong demand in the labor market, the technology sector cut 4,044 jobs up from 459 between January and April. It is the highest monthly total since December of 2020 when the tech companies cut as many 5,253 jobs. Many technology startups that saw tremendous growth in 2020, particularly in the real estate, financial, and delivery sectors, are beginning to see slowdown in users, and coupled with inflation and interest rates concerns, are restricting their workforce to cut costs, said Andrew Challenger, Senior Vice President of Challenger Gray and Christmas. The impact of the Ukraine crisis, a four-decade high inflation, and rising interest rates has led to forecasts to cut, uh, cuts by companies such as Snap, Inc., and Microsoft while others like Meta Platforms have slowed hiring to rein in cost. Yeah, Microsoft the other day said that they had to be careful with who they were hiring. Sounds like this person reporting on this article didn't really look into that a little bit. Anyways, continuing on, fintech companies also announced 268% more job cuts in May than in the first four months in 2022. The report from Challenge Gray and Christmas said, However, the number of Americans filing new claims for unemployment benefits unexpectedly fell last week. Initial claims for state unemployment benefits fell 11,000 to a seasonal adjustment of 200,000 for the week ended May 28th, the Labor Department said on Thursday. Yeah, I'm curious to know how much of how the jobs report is going to look soon. If they're cutting all these jobs, I mean, it's hard to tell currently, but it's it's just weird to think they, they're claiming this is the hottest job market and yet they're these tech companies are having to cut jobs. And this actually ties in a little bit to what's happening with Microsoft a little bit more because Microsoft just reported this too. Microsoft lowers fourth quarter guidance citing unfavorable, unfavorable foreign exchange rates. Hmm. Is it really the exchange rates? Let's read. Uh, according from CNBC. Microsoft on Thursday lowered its fiscal fourth quarter guidance, citing unfavorable foreign exchange rate movement. In an investor slide deck, Microsoft said it expects to report $59.94 billion and $52.7 billion in revenue for this quarter. The company previously forecast fourth quarter revenue in the range of $52.4 billion to $53.2 billion. Microsoft also slightly cut its earnings forecast for the quarter, saying it now expects to report adjusted earnings per share of $2.24 or $2.32. Previously, the company projected adjusted earnings per share between $2.28 and $2.35. Okay. Wall Street is expecting fourth quarter revenue at $52.87 billion and an earnings per share of $2.33, according to the consensus among analysis polled by Refinitiv. Microsoft financial chief 
uh, Amy Hood has suggested in April that exchange rates could impact guidance. Quote, we expect other income and expense to be negatively 50 million reflecting FX measurement impact based on market conditions in April. Hood said, uh, similar to the rest of the guidance, further equity and FX movements through Q4 are not reflected in the number. And of course, this was on Thursday. So shares of Microsoft closed up 0.7% on Thursday. I don't believe that. I honestly believe right now there's probably a lot of small uh, small businesses that are probably not able to hire as many people, okay? Small businesses use a lot of Microsoft products. And if small businesses are having to cut back, it might be that Microsoft is not making as much money either because, I mean, you have Microsoft Teams that a lot of companies use. Obviously, you got to pay for Microsoft Excel and Microsoft Word that companies might use. Even the, I think the email system that Microsoft has that a lot of small businesses use. Is it really the exchange rate? Or is it that there's a lot of people potentially getting laid off? It's hard to tell. But I often wonder if if Microsoft's also trying to do this now so that when they do report earnings that they're not going to be hammered as much. It's It's really hard to tell. I mean, at the end of the day, Microsoft's going to try to do everything they can just to stay afloat, I guess. And I mean, come on, you got to be kidding me. Something's not adding up people. It's, it just doesn't. I mean, you, you can't be telling me that there's a lot of these tech company cuts and, oh, well, things are still working fine in the economy. Yeah, I just don't believe that one bit. So... I'm going to keep an eye out for this a little bit more if if there is any other articles talking about it. But I honestly believe the rest of us need to be able to keep an eye on it as well because something's not adding up overall. So last one. And oil and gas, we've talked a lot about on this podcast. And there's we're probably going to be talking a lot about it next week as well as there has been a lot of articles about oil and gas recently. But today we're going to focus on OPEC. And I'll explain why in a second. OPEC plus raises output faster than expected as Russia's war royals, royals global energy markets. Okay. OPEC and its oil producing allies agreed on Thursday to hike output in July and August by a larger than expected amount as Russia's invasion of Ukraine wrecks havoc on global energy markets. OPEC plus will increase production by 648,000 barrels per day in both July and August bringing forward the end of the historic output cuts OPEC plus implemented during the the throes of the COVID pandemic. The group has been slowly returning the nearly 10 billion barrels per day agreed to pull from the market in April of 2020. In recent months, production has risen between 400,000 and 432,000 barrels per day each month. Oil prices reversed earlier losses during mid-morning training and continue to move higher during the session. West Texas and um, intermediate crude futures, the U.S. oil benchmark, ended the day at $116.87 per barrel for a gain of 1.4%. International benchmark Brent crude added 1.14% to settle at $117.61. The decision comes as the world grapples with surging energy prices. Governments, including the Biden administration, have been calling on producers to raise output in an effect to dampen oil's wild ride. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. President Biden, if you really care about handling this issue, 
you should also allow oil to be drilled within the United States instead of saying, oh, we're going to rely on OPEC. Continue that thought later, though, in this when we talk about it. White House Press Secretary uh, Karen Jean-Pierre said the administration welcomed OPEC Plus announcement. Quote, we recognize the role of Saudi Arabia as the chair of OPEC Plus and its largest producer in achieving the consensus among the group members, she said in a statement before adding that the United States will continue to use all tools at its disposal to address energy prices pressures. Yeah, you're looking at all tools except potentially drilling within our own country in the United States. You know, I heard a news report today on the radio uh, when I was driving around. And ironically, when I had to buy gas today and it cost me like 80 bucks to fill my tank here in California. But there was a report from Chevron. And Chevron said that you will probably never see another oil refinery made within the United States because the cost to make it would never make up for what is happening. Okay. That's a little... That's not good. If there's not going to be another oil refinery in the making in the United States, it sounds like Chevron has given up the battle within the United States and is going to now focus on having oil refineries in other countries. That's a little concerning. At least I think it's a little concerning. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I personally think it is. And now they're saying the United States will continue to use all tools at its disposal to address energy price pressures. Yeah, part of that means also allowing companies to drill and build oil refineries within the United States, potentially. Okay. Now, continuing with the, on the article, while in theory output will be higher looking forward, OPEC Plus has been struggling to meet production quotas. Moreover, the additional barrels slated to hit the market will not make up for the potential loss of more than 1 million barrels per day from Russia as nations around the world ramp up sanctions following the invasion of Ukraine. Except for China and India, who's probably eating up all the oil from Russia currently right now. And I'm curious to know if that's ever going to get reported on these news from CNBC or Reuters at any ch- at any time. EU leaders on Monday agreed to ban 90% of Russian crude oil by the end of the year. As part of the Block 6 sanctions package on Russia since the late February invasion. Now, there's one more thing in this article before we have to talk about potentially what Joe Biden's going to be doing soon in Saudi Arabia with OPEC+. Plus. Let's see if I can find it in here. Uh, oh, here it is. But the situation could change as the global economy reopens amid the pandemic recovery. During higher demand for crude, China, the world's largest oil importer, is starting to ease restrictions as daily COVID cases tamper off. Yeah, I don't believe that currently, but we'll give them a chance on that one. Whilst it's not an out. Whilst it's not an outright promise, Saudi Arabia has seemingly thrown the West a bone. Matt Simpson, market analysis at UK-based trading platform, cited Index wrote in a note after the news, quote, this, will well, this was well received by Western leaders given inflation and inflation expectations remain eye-watering high and central banks try to raise rates at the risk of tipping their economies into recession, he added. OPEC and its allies' next meeting will be held on June 30th. So pretty much in 27 days, OPEC's going to be meeting And I'm curious what CNBC is going to be reporting on that. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to end well. I mean, in my honest opinion, if there's some instability potentially in the Middle East, oil is going to keep going up. I mean, it it just seems like gas is just going to keep going up higher and higher. And I think people are soon going to be revolting. So 
But continuing with the OPEC thing, OPEC plus brings forward oil outputs rises as Biden's Saudis visit looms. Hmm. So Biden's thinking about going to see Saudi. Let's look into this. I'm not going to cover the first part because it's pretty much a recap of what we just read about how OPEC is trying to raise more oil and how they're just trying to get more barrels out there. But in this same article, it says here too that U.S. diplomats have worked for weeks on organizing Biden's first visit to Riyadh after two years of strained relations because of disagreements over human rights, the war in Yemen, and U.S. weapons supplies to the kingdom. U.S. intelligence have accused Saudi's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, known as MBS, of approving the 2018 killing of Saudi journalist uh, Jamal, I can't say that last name, a charge the prince denies. Saudi Arabia and its neighbors, the United Arab Emirates, have been frustrated at the Biden administration's opposition to the military campaign in Yemen and future to address the Gulf concerns about Iran's missile program and its regional proxies. With the Ukraine war adding to the tight crude oil market, the U.S. administration has sought more supplies from the Gulf allies, such as Saudi Arabia, as well as from Iran, whose output has been restricted by U.S. sanctions that could be lifted if a nuclear deal is reached, and Venezuela also under U.S. sanctions. Oh boy. Good to know that potentially there's going to be issues in Iran soon, and maybe even in Venezuela. We talked about the Venezuela thing, but the Iran thing's kind of new. Biden's approving rating. This is where things we got to talk about a little bit before we end today's podcast. Rocketing's gas price, gas line prices have driven U.S. inflation to a 40-year high, hitting Biden's approval rating as he approaches midterm elections. Biden has refused so far to deal with MBS as Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler. A source briefed on the matter said Washington wanted clarity on oil output plans before a potential Biden visit for the summit with Gulf Arab leader, including MBS in Riyadh. A second source familiar to the discussion about Biden's visit with the issue was not only tied to oil production, but also with the Gulf security issue and human rights. The source said both Rihad and Washington have been showing more readiness to listen to the other's concerns. The White House said it welcomed Thursday's decision and recognized the role of Saudi Arabia in achieving OPEC concessions. Western sanctions could reduce production from Russia, the world's second largest oil exporter, as much as 2 million to 3 million barrels per day, according to a range of industry estimates. Russia was already producing below its OPEC plus target of 10.44 million barrels per day in April, with output running at 9.3 million barrels per day. A Western diplomat said Russia might be ready to agree to other members to OPEC plus to fill a gap in its output to preserve unity in the group and maintain support from the Gulf, which tend to make neutral, neutral stance over the Ukraine war. So it's good to know that Russia's still budding up with OPEC plus and Biden is heading to potentially Saudi Arabia. Okay. That's a little disgusting. If you think about it, potentially oil prices that this is not, I, I don't think this is going to end well. You have some conflict in the middle East in the making. I expect oil prices to just shoot up. That's just going to be insane. Then what's going to happen? How are people going to handle this at the end of the day? Okay, continuing on, a Western diplomat said that Russia might be ready to agree with, and we've already talked about that. Oh, yeah. OPEC Plus agreed to cut output by a record amount of 2020 when the pandemic hampered demand. By September, when the deal expires, the group will have limited space capacity to lift output further. 
Saudi Arabia is producing 10.5 million barrels per day and rarely tests substantial production levels above 11, 11 billion barrels per day. Bihad said it's working on boosting its nameplate capacity to 13.4 million barrels per day from the current 12.4 million by 2027. The only other OPEC state with significant ability to produce more oil is the UAE, although OPEC is estimated to have less than 2 million barrels per day of square capacity in total. I, I don't know what to think about this currently, guys. Oil, in my opinion, is the lifeblood of the world economy right now. And it shows. I mean, currently right now in California, some of us are paying seven in Los Angeles. I'm sure it's eight bucks at this point a gallon right now. In the United States in general, I'm reading it's about $5 a gallon now. How much longer are people going to pay for these prices? And this is another thing too. If Even if OPEC Plus is able to meet the demand for oil, will it get off the ships? The other day, observing on the beach in California... There were cargo ships sitting on the sideline near Huntington. Now, granted, maybe those ships are just waiting to get in. But if there's supply chain issues like we've read about, does that mean it's going to affect the oil as well? If it's coming in from OPEC Plus, and now Biden's money trying to meet up with the Saudi Arabia prince and OPEC Plus members, which might include Russia being at the table too, if it's trying to increase their oil demand to have good relationships with... OPEC plus, I mean, we just read it. It says here, the Western sanctions could reduce production from Russia, the world's second largest oil producer. And it says Russia was already producing below its OPEC plus target at 10.4 million barrels per day. And then it says a Western diplomat said Russia might be ready to agree to other members to agree to other members of OPEC plus to fill a gap and to output to preserve unity in the group, to preserve unity in the group. So what's really happening here? Don't know at the end of the day. It's kind of weird though. Russia, OPEC plus. What's going on here? How are the market's going to handle this? It's going to happen to oil prices when things keep growing. It's hard to tell. I'm just here reporting the news and expressing my opinion. I honestly believe soon we're probably going to see double digit gas prices and potential rides in the street soon after. I mean, things are just getting crazy out there. I still think the answer is to drill within our own country. We have to drill. And, but no one's really, not, not, a whole, not a whole lot of people agree with me on that. But I do think we need to start drilling more within our own country. We can't be relying on OPEC plus. What happens if there's conflict in the Middle East? You're looking at 200 potentially, my opinion, $200 a barrel and um, potentially $10 a gallon just in California alone. Maybe even higher. Who knows? Maybe I'm completely wrong at the end of the day. Hope I'm wrong. So I'm not trying to be doom or gloom, but these are just thoughts I'm currently having. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. We got other things to be able to talk about going forward, and I might not be able to always be able to keep up with the consistent schedule, but I'll try my best to report as much as I can and be able to talk to you guys about what's happening in the market that they're not talking about. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please like and subscribe and please share with friends or family as every like and subscription we get can help grow our podcast so we can be able to keep talking about what's happening in the markets that they're not always willing to tell us on the news. With that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.